Welcome everyone. Good evening. Here for a few days? Good. So we are discussing the prayers of Brahma from the 14th chapter of the 10th canto. And uh, tonight we come to the fourth of his many prayers. Shreya Shritim Bhaktim Udasthiti Vibho Klishyanti Je Kevula Bodhalabdaye Tesham Aso Kleshala Eva Shishite Nanyadita Stula Tushavagatinam this is another uh, famous verse. The first verse, which we discuss at some length, as I mentioned, is a famous verse and um, repeated, cited, uh, by famous I mean cited repeatedly. And um, the third verse, which we discussed last night, Gane Eva. we explained that one. It's quite some length. Also a famous verse. This is another famous verse, and there are others in the chapter, so it's an important uh, chapter that has been referenced again and again by our Gaudiya Acharyas. Tonight's verse makes one really simple, in a sense, point, and uh, does so by way of uh, citing a um, analogy. Hmm? Shreyam Shritim, Shreya Shritim Bhakti Mudasite Vibho. So Brahma here addresses Gopal Krishna as Vibho. And um, of course, 50% of this whole presentation is, or a large percent, let's say, is influenced as well as by his Madhurya, the beautiful form of Krishna. Gopal Krishna standing before him that is so uh, beautifully described and simply described in, in, at the same time in the first verse. Um, that and his Aishvarya, of course, which is the backdrop to his Madhuri, the majesty that is the backdrop to his uh, sweetness. It's said that if you take a jewel and you place it on a black backdrop as they do in the jewelry stores, then it shines out that much more. So sometimes the majesty that is the background, that Krishna is God, and more so the supreme fountainhead of all forms of divinity, has been described as that black, um, what would you call it, uh, set velvet uh, setting in which the jewel of his sweetness and charm, uh, on which, if you will, it shines and can be appreciated for what it is. Hmm? Um, if the Godhead, the fountainhead of all divinity, the more we use such words, the more we start to feel distanced from him, <laughs> um, uh, appears before us in a way that uh, affords uh, overwhelming intimacy, hmm? then that's a very sweet form of the Absolute, is the idea, a good idea, good point, right? So here um, he uh, addresses him as Vibho, so this is what Vibho means, almighty, supreme personality of Godhead. Um, which is appropriate, as I say, given the context and um, and the um, the term the word used here the name used the epithet it, it, it corresponds with the spirit if you will of Krishna's statement about himself that we find in the Gita when he says that Mama Maya Duratyaya Mami Vie Prapadyante Mayamitam Tarantite that those who want to cross over Maya they should know that it's mine. It's my Maya. It's working under my direction. And if you want to cross over 
Maya, hmm? who's who herself is, as the Bhagavatam says, embarrassed to stand in front of me, hmm? given her task of deluding for good purpose and so on and so forth. Nonetheless, she's not a Shakti like Krishna Swarup Shakti that's giving the the positive. She's giving the negative impetus. So she's a little embarrassed. Um, she's depicted, of course, in the uh, iconography and art and so forth as riding on a tiger carrying a trident. The trident represents the the, the sufferings of material existence that arise in our own minds. Hmm? Um, sufferings that, uh, that we... Um, experience in relation to uh, to others and suffering that we uh, uh, incur or undergo uh, as a result of the natural um, world in general hurricanes <laughs> fires <laughs> big fires near Audaria in California and uh, pretty warm here too so uh, these are the this is the adhyatmic, adhidaivak, adhibodhik, the threefold miseries as it's thought. And she is doing the poking hmm, with her trident. Um, <laughs> once, uh, I told the story before, worth repeating, comes to mind once in Bengal you have this, uh, uh, it used to be very prominent, the two sides, the, sh- the bhaktas and the shaktas. So the bhaktas are worshippers of Vishnu and the Shaktas were worshippers of Devi, and Devi means here Durga, Kali, the uh, the deity with the trident, uh, depicted in other ways as well, but pr- who presides over the material nature. Um, and so, one of the Shaktas, Shiva uh, Maharaj related lady, mystic, came and visited him at his ashram, hmm? which. Uh, you know, over time, it developed into a robust ashram, but at times was an outpost, if you will, where he was living in Navadweep with the blessing of Nityananda Prabhu and doing his bhajan. Um, so, anyway, she came there. He had some reputation for being a sadhu, and uh, and so uh, there was some discussion. And um, in order to try to converter of sorts, or to um, express the, uh, the logic behind his choice of being a Vishnu Bhakta rather than a Shakta. He said, have you seen the picture of, of, of Durga, of Kali? Can you describe that to me? Then hmm? he said, and then, the, uh, are you familiar with the picture of Krishna? <laughs> How Krishna is depicted? Do you want love? <laughs> it's and it was pretty simple explanation, but but uh, the kind of the way in which Mahaprabhu would sometimes explain, like there was a debate of who is supreme, Shiva or Vishnu. He was asked. He said, "Well, according to the scriptures, Shiva takes the Ganges on his head, and the Ganges is the foot wash of of Krishna." So you tell me. Hmm? We're not here to make a sectarian argument, but we just you know, state the facts, and uh, and then we follow them hmm, wherever they lead us, right? Scriptural facts. Um, so, um, it's it's Krishna says in Gita, it's she is my Maya. So if you want to cross over her, you cannot do that by ignoring me. Hmm? And this is the spirit of the, the prayer here today. Previously, in the previous verse, we heard last night, Brahma has extolled the virtues of bhakti hmm, in comparison to jnana, and he is also, uh, by invoking a couple of words, dismissed the uh, the Varnashram system. He said, jnane prayasya udapasya namanta eva. That, that jnana is very much effort-based. It is an ascending path rather than a descending path. Bhakti, by contrast, is a descending path, a, a path of grace. Hmm? Coming, help coming from that side 
to this side. Um, and uh, so he said, Gyane Prayashit Rupasinamante, but the, the effort in Gyan, um, this can be completely uh, dismissed. It's a big thing. I mean, you have the, as I said last night, these overtly, by ordinary uh, estimation, saintly, mystical people and on the Gyan Marg, um, years and years ago in Vrindavan, um, I was spending some time there in a rented house, and there was a guy who um, took a vow to stand on one leg until um, until a temple uh, bigger than the Krishna Balaram temple was built. <laughs> he was on the Parikaram path, the path that circumambulates the. Uh, uh, Vrindavan. So pilgrims walk on the path. and So he set himself up there standing on one leg. Of course he had a a what you, a swing that he leaned on hanging from the tree. So it wasn't quite as Hiranyakasipu-esque as we, as we find in the Bhagavatam standing on one leg as he did. Hmm? There's a precedent for that in the Bhagavatam and the person that did it is is the big, one of the biggest demons in the Bhagavatam. So, <laughs> not a great uh, role model, not exactly a ragatmika to follow, right? Hmm? Um, so, uh, there he was. And uh, in order to um, make his difficult path, if you will, more easy, then he he would smoke ganja, which he offered me in abundance when I when I visited him. I said, "Well, check this guy out." I thought, you know, there's the story. There he is, and and uh, so I was um, politely refused his offer and uh, moved on, if you will. So meanwhile, of course, the common people, uh, uneducated, spiritually uneducated people, although oh, he's a great mystic standing on one leg and. And uh, he's got great powers and and uh, so forth. So they they gave him money and gradually something was built. It was didn't eclipse the Krishna Balaram temple, small place, right? <laughs> yeah. So from Gan like this, from Tiag comes Bog. So he did Tiag, renunciation, standing on one leg and so forth. And what he got was Bog, money for enjoying living comfortably in the name of the temple. Um, so, the um, point is that, that, that these people are out and about and they may uh, conduct themselves in a way that gives an, uh, an appearance to common people that they're saintly and mystical. Whereas, by contrast, the Vaishnavas often, like, let's take for example, our great uh, Bhakti Thakur, he was a magistrate in the British government. He had 10, 12 children. Hmm? And he he dressed in a colorful way. Hmm? Nice vests and I think our householder men should dress like that. Hmm? <laughs> Very colorful and attractive. Uh, have you ever seen online that look up like Cortes and then you got all these, all these Indian models who were all white, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> as white as you could be as an Indian. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, dress in these fancy kurtas and so forth. They look real cool, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For householders. <laughs> At any rate, they they may even, the point being, look worldly from a Hindu uh, perspective. Hmm? Therefore it said, Vaishnavera Kriya Mudra it's difficult to understand the Vaishnava, whose motive, hmm, uh, whose actions uh, are driven by the um, uh, emotions of bhakti and um, may cause them to act in any number of, of ways, uh, ways that uh, parallel that of ordinary people or people within the uh, Varnashram uh, system. That's why, for example, many jnanis think that bhakti is kind of like similar to the Varnashram. 
It's a sattvic thing within that you can get. Uh, uh, well, you think they think you can get a transcendental result, but they think it's a it's a material base that it's a sattvic influence rather than a nirgun hmm? uh, influence. So. Um, uh, so bhakti and 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 these uh, the path of gyan uh, is very difficult, and it's mentioned here klishanti jekevala bodha labdaye that um, it's klishanti, it's a struggle, it's a and and now what he's saying is this, uh, he says that I oh vibhu, oh almighty Godhead. Shreya Shritim Bhakti Mudasyate Vibhu. The path to you hmm, of bhakti, it is Shreya Shritim. It is the highest path. It is the best path. I've just talked about it. Hmm. And it's very simple, as I've said. That's what Brahma is saying here. It's very simple. Hmm. You can reject jnana that is so effort based and described here as Klishyanti Jake Vula Bodha Labdeye. It's very difficult. It's a great struggle with great uh, uh, um, effort. Um, people uh, exert themselves on this path uh, by way of, for example, accepting the kind of tapasya and austerities that I've, foolish ones like this that I've described, or lying on a bed of nails and things like this, or just, you know, living in the Himalayas in a cave. It's rather rather cold up there and um and it's a it, you know it's a kind of a world denying very much a world denying um effort and um, full of anyway bodily uh austerities and of course these bodily austerities are very much the the polar opposite of bodily enjoyment which is what the worldly people are involved in so at a glance it looks like oh that must be Spiritual. There, uh, he lives in the forest. He only eats leaves that fall from the tree. He must be uh, spiritual. He doesn't wear any clothes. He must be. Or, uh, uh, he, or he, like you say he lies on a bed of nails. He must be spiritual. This is an uneducated um, um, evaluation from the scriptural point of view, which is where we are to find out about these things. And this is an important, important point as an aside here. What we're talking about here, and what we'll. What Brahma is emphasizing is what the sacred texts say, which is where we're supposed to go to find out about things that we could not find out otherwise, which means what is the nature of consciousness, nature of the inquirer, the experiencer, what is its, what is its prospect, what is its source, how to unite, how it can unite with its source. These are not subjects to be taught in, in in school or elsewhere or that don't arise in and of themselves within um, the mind which is or intelligence which is inferior to the very thing that the inquiry is about. Hmm? So uh, nature, for example, may provide answers, as I sometimes said, to the basic questions of our biological and psychological life, how to eat, how to sleep, how to fear and protect successfully protect yourself, how to have uh, uh, how to um, um, uh, satisfy your emotional needs, eat, sleep, mate, and uh, sex, for example. These are all uh, drives of our biological and psychological sense of self. In nature, which has both a physical component and a psychic component, gross and subtle matter, has answers for those questions. And therefore, as I've sometimes said, we find all the species of life have these questions, but nature answers them. Bears know to sleep in, in, the, in the winter, and they know when to get up. I got a, you know, the nature provides a built-in alarm clock for them. Hmm? Um, they're not wondering whether they should mate with wolves or, you know, maybe try to, you know, try a horse or something like that. 
it's not an issue. It, it doesn't arise. Uh, nature's answered the question for them and so forth. What to eat and so on. But what it happens in human life, of course, is that the Atma, hmm, that is really the life, life is not biological, but there, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's consciousness, if you will. There is a biological development and so forth that we refer to as life, but consciousness is the life, right? Hmm. Um, from the Vedic, Vedanta perspective. And this consciousness comes to the fore in human life, and therefore there are other questions that arise for us that arguably don't arise for the less complex species of life. And they're less complex. Hmm? That's why, because the, com- the complex question is, why am I? What is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? All these questions arise. And they're questions that are relative to consciousness, which is val- the, the center of values, where value and meaning and purpose comes from. Just atoms interacting physically don't have any inherent purpose or meaning to them, hmm? it would seem. So, so, so the question about value, meaning, purpose, nature is not equipped to fully answer that. pushes us in the direction of revelation. Hmm? Scripture, for example, sadhus, saintly persons, from the other side, the consciousness side, and the answers come from that side. Hmm? So this is the idea of a source of knowing that transcends, transcends the limits of our present instruments, which we call revelation. If we want perfect knowledge, we have to have a perfect method. Our logic is imperfect. That's very clear. Hmm? Um, our physical strength is imperfect. So, so there's a reason to believe that there must be a more perfect way of knowing. Hmm? And that's what we mean by revelation as opposed to some old dusty book that uh, people don't think pertains to the modern age. This is certainly an ongoing question of, of for all time and all circumstances, what am I? Why am I? Hmm? And so Brahma's answers here and his, his emphasis on the efficacy of bhakti, which are, which are significant here, as we'll see, hmm? beginning with the previous verse, are scripturally based. Of course, and here is scripture for us, of course. Uh, um, uh, uh, so, this is how we, what I want to say is, avoid a sectarian um, dispute, if you will. Hmm? You think that bhakti is better, we think that jnana is better. Let's go to the, as probably would call it, the standard of knowledge in this regard. And here, for example, it says, Shreyasritim Bhakti Mudasyate Vibho. It's the supreme path, the best path is Bhakti unto you, Vibhu. Hmm? Um, and uh, Brahma is saying, I've already explained in the previous path, previous verse, that the path of Jnana, which people think is, because it has this appearance, hmm? Of being overtly, you know, different, the opposite of material sense gratification, uh, a polar opposite, must be spiritual. It's a difficult path, um, and the people who perform it have great power, and, and so forth. Um, and Brahma says you can completely discard that altogether. There is no necessity for that. Indeed, indeed, in place of it, hmm, you can just mumble things like I have in praise of you. Oh, you beautiful cowherd. You have a beautiful complexion that can only be compared to the rain cloud. You have a beautiful uh, garment that looks like maybe lightning. I'm trying to find words to say something about you. Your appearance is like the lightning and the, uh, and, and the cloud at the, at the same time. And you've got these gunja berries that are red and white, and it's like all you're like the, the rain and the and the, the th- it's like the thunder and the and the lightning and the rainbow and the sunset and the sunrise, uh, all at, at once. Um, there's not enough I can say about you, and uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and th- this path, he's saying, 
by contrast, again, it's very, very easy. You're very, very uh, generous. Um, you, you don't have to worry about your position in the Varn Ashram. There's no, you don't have to be born as a Brahmin, as the smartest teach, in order to pursue it. Hmm? Uh, what does he say? Stanhestita. Shutikatam Fatanaman Manovya. You don't have to worry about Barnashram. He's also dismissing Barnashram and Gyan there. Hmm? Well, both of which are laborious and you know, difficult compared to Bhakti. Hmm? You just have to, by association with saintly persons, who by their second nature simply praise you, hmm? then just following them, just imitating them like that, then he who is unconquerable by Gyan or Karma or Yoga becomes like you have in the hands of these coward boys. He's Ajita. He's become Jita. Ajita means unconquerable. He's, whoa. No, right? He's like, nobody can approach or conquer him. He's the supreme. And he's, how Jita is he? How conquered is he? He's become like just some of them have equality. They think there's no difference between your tongue and mine, as I said the other day. We're equals. Hmm? He may offer his thigh for them to lie down to rest on. They may offer their thigh for him to rest his head on. Hmm? This is Sakiras. The sense of equality is, is central to this uh, transcendental sentiment. Hmm? But in all of these sentiments of Braj, of course, Krishna has become the son. Krishna has become the lover, or son of Yusuf, the lover of Radha. And he is the Ajita. Hmm? So this path is very simple. He says, even a little bit of effort in it to get grace this has this great result. One of the implications of the previous verse, as it comes out here, is what to speak then, kind of what to speak logic, what to speak of if you actually apply yourself seriously in bhakti and you acquire some bandhagyan, proper understanding and so forth, what will be, which of course... Uh, this is what Sugadev was wondering about. What did they do to a Kritapunya Punja to attain this position? They studied the Bhagavad and Darba. They did. <laughs> they got all. The, they actually. Uh, they thought this is the easy. What to speak? So let's get into it. Hmm? And it's not hard. Hmm? The Sambandagyan. It's 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 fun to learn, hmm? if you will, uh, and uh, and and very interesting. Uh, details about uh, the personality of uh, of godhead um by and by comparison then klishyanti this path of, of gyan that i've just said we don't have to do anything to do with we don't need uh again of course means brahma aikya gyan oneness between atma and brahman which is the preoccupation of the gyanis desiring as they do sayujamukti that class in particular of Gyanis, as we said last night, there are different classes of Gyanis, but in particular, focusing here on the lower end, which is which is a, an ideal that can be attained, Brahmasayuja, but one that is very much undesirable from the devotional point of view, because there's no scope there for any for any bhakti, and therefore it's considered like a spiritual suicide from the position of the from the vantage point of the bhaktas. It's it's bliss. It is considered like a atomic particle of ecstasy compared to what can be derived from from Prem. Hmm. So, um, uh, he says, uh, yeah, we, we don't need that path. As I said last night, Gyan and its corollary by Ragya, detachment. If you have knowledge and you understand I'm in pursuit of enduring happiness, then you're not going to continue to pursue it in relation to things that don't endure things that are here today and gone tomorrow, right? So vairagya or detachment, the giving up of the pursuit of such, is accompanied, again, it's the corollary. And Bhagavatam says, you know, in many places, to cite a famous verse, janiyati ashu vairagyam jnanam chayarahoitakam. Bhakti to Vasudeva is such that jnana and vairagya come about naturally in due course. They're a side effect. I once asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, if by distributing your books and preaching, will I become liberated just by this alone? He said, hm, you're already liberated. <laughs> These are liberated activities. Hmm? 
this very esoteric point to understand. Hmm? Right? Uh, bhakti is easy in one sense because it brings before us an object for our senses to be preoccupied with. It's not temporary. Hmm? And um, we can serve them through our senses simply as far as in terms of ingredients, which are easy to gather, patram pushpam palam toyam. Not like in Varnashram, you got to have some money, hmm? make a big sacrifice, right? Uh, uh, which is, of course, that's the idea. You, know, you get to give some wealth to make some wealth, and and so forth. That's very simple, and uh, and you just have to give with your heart. No material ingredients. Give your heart, and um, it's conceptually it's easy because you're already engaged in relation to sense objects. Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Ruchite. You're using your senses to serve really sense objects, if you will, and you turn them and put them on Krishna, the the object, the perfect object of love, the Vishaya Lambana of Bhakti Rasa. That is very easy compared to the difficulty of contemplating the Atma, which is like how different is that from what you've been doing for eons and lifetimes and lifetimes? And by the way, what is an atma? How do you talk about it? How do you think about it? Hmm? It's not a thing. Uh, it's beyond time and space, so it can't be captured by language or thought. It's 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 a very um, I want to say. Uh, um, it's abstract and it's very counterintuitive that this is what you should do with your life. Uh, and uh, it, so just the idea of it, uh, very, very difficult. This is brought out in the Gita also where Arjuna very clearly asks, after being told directly by Krishna again and again with emphasis in the previous chapter, in the 11th chapter of the Gita, that bhakti unto me, this is the most beautiful thing. This is the way. Still, Arjuna asks the beginning of the twelfth chapter. You know, I've heard that you said that, but you know, these other people—they're pretty like heavy, and they say, you know, sometimes they criticize devotees as being less intelligent. Therefore, they have to take this emotional path, and so forth. Could you could you just like clear it up, like real once and for all for me? Which is better, worshiping you in bhakti, or? You know, meditating on the Atma, hmm? and uh, it's it's one that's with with Brahman. Which of these two is 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 better? Hmm? And in no uncertain terms, Krishna says, "Bhakti is better." You fool! Hmm? It's uh, it's simple. It's easy. Hmm? He says, "Klesho dikatarastesham abhyakta sakta chetasa." Abhyakta. He says, "The, the uh, this is." Uh, Klesha, full of difficulties. It's it's very counterintuitive. How do you even do it? You you have to hear these sounds of the Upanishads. The Atma is this. It's that. All these negative terms about it. It's not this. It's not that. You find some of these in the beginning of the Gita, in the second chapter. It's 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 not like this. It's not like that. Can't say anything positive about because it, it has no no determining characteristics. It's not like all the things that are determinate in this world. So, you know, you have to stop kind of thinking, and uh, it's really kind of bizarre compared to how we've been conducting ourselves in the world. And bhakti, by comparison, is just like, well, just change the object of your sense indulgence and indulge your senses fully and feast on your eyes on the beautiful form of Krishna. Hmm? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hear the sounds of his name and so forth. And uh, so, um, um, he says, yeah, so, oh, he wants to emphasize further here. He said, you don't need bhakti, you don't need jnana, you don't have to be concerned about your position in Varnashram. From any position you can take to bhakti, it's real simple. And he wants to say here, 
to further emphasize that path of bhakti, oh, Supreme Godhead, that is the supreme path, kashanti jekevala bodhalabdaye, in comparison, the path of jnan unto itself has absolutely no efficacy with regard to the very goal it posits for itself. How bad is that? Hmm? Do you understand? He says, Tesham aso kleshala eva shishite nanyadjatastula tushavagatinam. He gives an example. He says, What you get from gyan unto itself. Now, if you mix gyan with bhakti, okay. Hmm? Krishna replies in the Gita in that 12th chapter, there are Bhakti is best, but there are people who worship me as as Brahman, hmm? and they can also attain me. But it's difficult. It's a difficult path. But they can also attain me. But he says they worship me, so he's talking about Gyan mixed with Bhakti. They can attain Brahma Saruja if they want. Why they would want to, who knows? But um, obviously they have some samskar for it. But what's the original <laughs> samskar for that? Uh, of course, there is none. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, with mi- mixing with bhakti, they can attain it. Here, Brahma is talking about not mixing it with bhakti unto itself. There are people, that is to say, who, despite what has been said in the scripture by Brahma here, who disregard bhakti altogether and posit the virtues of Gyan unto itself. Hmm? And what, what is their position? Um, they have to undergo a great, great effort that is involved there. Our effort, again, is to get grace. It's a little effort, and the grace that we get greatly exceeds when we get it, the effort that we've put in. Well, that's how we feel. Hmm. Goodness. Whoa. Uh, so when we we, we we are blessed, so uh, it's it's very difficult. And the result that is posited of attaining Brahma Suja, for example, is not attainable by the path. Hmm? He says it is like someone a real fool. Hmm? What is he saying? He's saying these these ganis who dis, have disregard for bhakti, they are fools. Sounds sectarian, a little strong, but here is, is the logic of it is pretty good, actually. Hmm? What? You mean that guy? He stood only on one leg for ten years? Are you telling me he's a fool? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's a pretty stupid guy. Uh, what did he do that for? Hmm? Uh, you know, there's the story of the, the Kumbh Mela, festival of the sadhus and everyone would come and then amongst them they would try to decide who was the supreme sadhu of the of the of the decade right and so one fellow showed his mystic power by walking on the water and everybody thought oh he's he's really attained what you know we're all after here and then one Vaishnav simple simple Vaishnav um was not impressed to me. They said, why are you not impressed? They said, well, because I can go across the river for two rupees, for two paisa. But why should I make a big effort to walk on it when I can travel across on a boat for just a couple of pennies? I'll spend my effort in something else, in bhakti. Right? And what is mystic power even compared to that? There's a beautiful description in... Um, Kavikarnapur's Champu, what is it? Uh, Ananda Vrindavan Champu, of the body of Radharani. He describes the body of Radharani as he begins to describe Krishna's Kishore Leela. And he he explains how all the mystic power, mystic cities, the eight principal mystic cities, are present within her form. Hmm. The way she looks with her eyes. And it's a big... Uh, I can't repeat it, but a, a nice description. So, which is a way of saying, you know, it's it's a, it's a small thing. It's a byproduct. It's uh, uh, insignificant <clears throat> comparison. But after all, people want power. People want knowledge. By knowledge, you'll get free. By power, you'll have 
security. The difference here is, of course, we want to bring the... We say there's someone who's all-powerful and he's Ajita. You can't compare to him, so bring him. If you can't beat him, join him. That's the simple logic of it. Join him. Suddenly you're on the side that you're on the side that's winning. That can't lose. You're on the side that can't lose. You cannot lose in bhakti unless you go against bhakti, which is we we warned against that. That's just a warning against our nature, bad nature, conditioned nature, right? Rebellious nature of sorts, if you will, our enjoying ego that gets in the way of us being submissive and so forth. So don't go against bhakti and such an easy path and the ajita becomes your friend right there. Hmm? So the example he gives of how foolish this jnana is when it disregards bhakti and thinks that it has power unto itself to be efficacious in terms, for example, of attaining Brahman. Hmm? The example he gives is that people who, after the... We, it's hard for us to relate to the example because we, we don't live in an agrarian, agrarian culture and we don't fully, and we don't... Uh, well, I think Kishore did plant some rice, right? So... And they bring the rice paddy, which is common in India, in the south, and in Bengal, where there's a lot of rice. And you bring the paddy, and then you you beat the paddy. And out of all that beating, it's a big thing. You're beating the paddy. It's a lot of effort, and causes some pain to to the body. And you get a little bit of rice from it, from all that beating. Then you build more, and you collect, collect. So. All the paddy, if you were to would it be a mountain compared to the uh, the molehill of rice that you get, and then you live on the rice. But so it's a it's some, there's some work in separating the wheat from the chaff or the rice from the paddy. Hmm? Fair enough, but that's not the example that he gives. Hmm? Because there's no rice coming from that from from this gyan unto itself. Hmm? You understand? There's no rice. As I said it won't give the result. That it, that, it, that it seeks to attain. So what does he compare it to? The foolish person who beats the patty that's already been beaten and the rice has already been taken out of. Hmm? So what does he get for his effort of beating the rice patty, the empty, empty rice husk? What does he get? He gets nothing but the labor that he undertook to do it. Absolutely nothing more. In fact, Sanatana Goswami says, well, someone might say you might get prestige as a big yogi. He says, not even that. You don't get anything. Of course, that's meaningless from the real perspective, perspective of what is real, meaning, and, you know, reality. Uh, so an emphasis there. He gets only the labor that he puts in absolutely nothing more. A complete <laughs> waste of, uh, of time and energy. This is how strongly... Hmm, we respond to the idea that that gyan unto itself has efficacy hmm? to attain the, the freedom of, of mukti. Yes, mixed with bhakti, it can. The more the bhakti is factored in, the greater um, the result. So the simple logic is, hmm, on two counts, take to bhakti because it's simple in terms of its exercise comparatively. I mean, yes, there are, in bhakti, we have to withdraw our senses from sense objects that we're attached to and focus them on Krishna. That is the work in progress of, uh, of perfecting a sadhaka deha. Our body is made up of senses, and through them we enter into, or we bring into the mind sense objects. Hmm? have some experience of them, and become attached to them, and identities form, so that's our problem. So we have to Pratyahar, we have to withdraw the, draw the senses from there, focus them on Krishna and Krishna's service. Rishikena, again, Rishikesha, Sevanam, Bhakti Uchite. When, this, when the, the master of the senses is served by our senses, that is what we call bhakti. So there's some effort there, no doubt, uh, and some difficulty that we have to undergo. But comparatively, because you might think, well, I don't know, bhakti hasn't been that easy for me. Uh, I say it's real easy. But comparatively, in terms of what paths that uh, uh, of 
towards transcendence, uh, you know, are available. And of course, you know, to know what is transcendence, and if you, um, and this we learn from this from the scriptures. So um, here's our standard of of uh, of knowledge. So uh, comparatively, it's difficult. It's easy, and on the other hand, the goal that is attained when bhakti is ganshunya, which is the term as I cited last night that Ramananda uses to before he cites yesterday's verse, Gyane Prayasha Udapasyanamanteva. His full idea of what he's talking about is bhakti devoid of any gyan, not only not mixed with gyan in a minor mixed with not not bhakti mixed not gyan mixed with bhakti <laughs> Which is an emphasis on the gyan, not bhakti mixed with a little, a little, little gyan that could bring a. I don't want to say, gyan mixed with bhakti can give you brahma sayuja. Bhakti mixed with gyan could give you shantarasa. Hmm? Uh, bhakti that is less. Uh, in, Intense, let's uh, say, bhakti, bhakti, dutiful bhakti, can give you realization of Bhagawan with with the knowledge that you are um, serving him, even if it be what if it speak of it be Narayana Bhagunta, Krishna in Dwarka, Krishna in Mathura. Whereas in Vrindavan, it is really Gyan Shunya. This is the term of Krishna's Kaviraj. It's a nice term. They have no knowledge that Krishna is the personality of God. When that knowledge is presented to them. Their minds just naturally reject it and explain it away hmm? without trying. They just explain it away. It's very interesting if you if you read it. They just uh like after Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill. I mean, they had heard stories from the boys that Krishna has these exploits in the forest and he defeats these demons. He does these wonderful things and. And they would think, yeah, boys will be boys. They have their stories. Krishna's wonderful, no doubt. But, but when the Govardhan Leela was uh, performed, then everyone saw his power, that he lifted Govardhan Hill. So after that, then meeting among the elders, and it was a big event, right? So, uh, to under, think it over, and, and uh, their, their, their good fortune and how they've been blessed by... Narayan to get through it all and so forth, if you will. And then, uh, so they said, you know, uh, your son was pretty extraordinary in that there. He just looked like he was lifting the hill himself, practically. And, and Nanda Maharaj says, well, you know, you know, sometimes things like that happen, you know. And so, you know, your mind might think, you know, that he's more than just my son. But I mean, even even that he's God, it might look like that at some times. But, you know, does God cry because he doesn't get enough Ladu and Burfi, you know, uh, you know, and they go, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a, our insanity that we think for a moment that you know maybe he's God. No, good. Uh, nah, that has no silly, crazy idea. You know, just a village boy. Uh, so this is, this is where they're at. I mean, this is an incredible concept, right? Incredible realm. That's where they're at. Everybody else is trying to put God in their mind. Understand him, serve him, you know, think of him, um, identify him, and so forth. Yeah. So, it's a very this is the this is the full measure of of Gyan Shunya. We, we're talking about here on a spectrum, right? Hmm? The, the the futility of Gyan, and this is the highest ideal. This is what Brahma is experiencing. This is what he's aspiring for. Now he wants to attain this kind of ideal. Gopal Krishna is his the Ashrayalambana, the Vishayalambana, I should say. Of his uh, budding uh, stayibhav, that the the the, the, rot, the seed for that rati that he got at the dawn of creation when he received initiation in Gopal Mantra, and Krishna said uh, to him, uh, uh, he said to Krishna, I, "I would like to have a relationship with you in Sakya as a friend." Hmm. And based on how you've approached me, Krishna approached him in a certain way. So. Um, so we know that we've heard that. So, um, so Gyan Shunya, which the previous verses Praman for, right? And that as Krishna cited it in the conversation between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy, really applies fully to that realm. Here, 
we're going in a broader sense as well, and he's addressed Krishna as Vibho, he said bhakti in general, hmm, devoid of gyan, hmm, is so easy, it's the most virtuous path, it's, it's the best path. Bhakti to you is the best of the best, but gyan in comparison is absolutely a worse than a waste of time. It's because you could just sit around and waste time, <laughs> but you, you're laboring to waste time. It's like, you know, it's like you're breaking bricks in a prison. I used to put them to work, just go out there and break bricks, gotta keep them busy, you know. No meaning to it, no purpose to it. Uh, no, no, absolutely no, no, no meaningful um, result. Hmm. So, if you want to cross over Maya, it's, it's, you have to take the relatively easy uh, path. And even that, for that matter, Rag Bhakti is considered easier than Vaidhi Bhakti, even though it requires some eligibility to apply oneself fully. Hmm? Still, it's, uh, it's easier because the object of love is more attractive, <laughs> more power of attraction on that side. And, of course, because it derives from the grace of sadhus who, who have acquaintance with that path and their, their company is, is the best of, of the best. So that is the explanation of tonight's verse. Any question? Yes. Ajita means unconquerable, and Jita means conquered. Last night's verse said, Ajita Jitopi Apitaistri Lokyam. He who is Ajita becomes Jita. Obviously, uh, this is really clear in the Brajlila. In Navayakuntha, it's not so clear that the devotees have conquered over Narayan. But, but in Krishna-lila, Krishna has become their friend, become their son, become... He's like, yeah, he, he as, as Brahma said in the second verse, he is Sayyichamayi. He is their their love. Dharma Tattvam Hitam Guhaya. The love in their hearts is him, is his form. The form I'm seeing, that's its source. It has no source. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> it can't be Krishna without love of Krishna. Uh, so, so there, it's obvious, the Ajita has become Jita. Krishna says, Amishisha Guru Nata. I am the disciple, and the dancing of Radha is my guru. He becomes attainable, and he becomes attainable. Yeah. And, and, his, and his Maya, that the Gyanis are preoccupied with crossing over, which is not much of a concern for us. We'll stay here with Radhava, no problem. Hmm. We don't have to go anywhere, right? This is what uh, um, Chitraketu told Parvati, right? Svarga pavarga narakeshu apitularatadarshanam. This is the glory of the devotees. Wherever they are in any situation, liberated, unliberated, heaven or hell, makes no difference to them. Hmm. They've got, if there's service for Krishna there, then okay, let me go there. Hmm. This is their, this is a liberated position. They're not affected. That means, hmm, right? They're in the world, but they're not affected by that. If you have a serving ego, this is the result. Hmm. So. Um, so the, the desire, the big desire of the Gyani to cross over Maya, hmm. Krishna says, it's, in a, in a, it's my Maya, and you're not getting anywhere. Even Maya herself is embarrassed to stand in front of me, and you think you're going to cross over her and take my position? Hmm. And be Brahman? No, it's not happening. <laughs> he says, very, that's very, I'm unconquerable. But, Maya may, but 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 if it's surrendered to me, then it becomes easy, hmm? because I have an Achilles heel. If you love me, then I, I'm very soft. Hmm? 
if you love me, I'm a lover, so if someone loves me, they say, I love you once, then I, then I go to that person. And I stay with them, life after life, even if they take time <laughs> to, to, to um, show that entirely. But their words, their actions, walk their talk, so to speak. Even if they just say it. No, this is who Krishna is. Helpful. Yes. So this is the fourth verse. This is the fourth verse. And that's the. I mean, I know you explained it, but which which verse is it? What's the number of that? So I didn't look at it. In, in, in the which chapter? I know the chapter, but the, that's just the fourth verse in Brahma's prayers. Yeah, four fourteen four. Okay. We've gone through the first four now. We did segue we, in the, during the festival. We, we we commented on another verse that's like 32. Just, but now we're going through it systematically. So that's the fourth verse. Yes. A couple of nights ago, at one of the talks, you made a, a comment, and I heard it, but I didn't hear it. Um, so you were saying that um, the eternal dharma of the jiva. I don't remember the point, but I mean, uh, when it said that the jiva is uh, uh, by swarup, by nature, subordinate to Krishna, it means that the dasta shakti is subordinate to Krishna. It's one of his his shaktis. Um, it doesn't mean that every living being is in dasya rasa or something like that. Um, um, that's one thing. As far as the jivan mukta goes, the jivan mukta is is there is a jivan mukta in bhakti, also ihair. What's the verse? Karmana manasagira. Yeah. Whose body, mind, and words are engaged in Krishna's service, jivan mukta. So what you say? Does he say? Is a liberated soul. Rupa, Rupa Goswami kind of like we got our own Jiva Muktas <laughs> over here. This is what they do. This is what Prabhupada's answer was: you're, you're engaged with your body, mind, words, and Krishna's service. You must be liberated. Hmm. When he said that, that was how he was thinking. This is our Jiva Mukta. The Jiva Mukta in Gyan is the guy who has, or gal who has, um, uh, is, a, is thought to be the penultimate state before attaining Videha Mukti. Or merging into Brahman, Brahma Sahuja, and uh, their karma has is is their present body, their prabhu karma. It's playing itself out, and when it's done, that's called death. And then they they are thought to attain that. Hmm. Um, but if they don't have any bhakti, or if they disregard bhakti, or they offend bhakti, then Bhagavatam says, patantiado, they go down. Hmm. They go down. Similarly, Bhagavatam also teaches that if in a Varnashram, if you don't worship Vishnu, you go down, which means also that Varnashram has no efficacy without some bhakti in order to produce its results. Hmm. So I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but um, but you know we do compare uh, Brahmasayuja to spiritual suicide. So there's no. There's no personality. There's no life. You, you can go to sleep forever and get relief, but there's, you want a spiritual life. You know that sure doesn't look like living. That's <laughs> a whole different thing. It's like uh, you know, overdose, something like that. Rest forever. Um, that jiva is still subordinate to Krishna and Brahman, but so I'm not sure what you're referring to. Anything else? Yes, Mahara. Well, wouldn't a jnani, even though, wouldn't they become like purified from doing all their own theories and become a better person? Or, I mean, just for the fact of Because yeah. I just think you always say, or start with something, you know, give a little bit, and then you progress. No, it's an emphasis on the efficacy of, of, of bhakti. Um, strong emphasis to make a 
make a point. I mean, anything short of transcendence, if that's your goal, is nothing. You know, to come in second place doesn't count. So, if you could attain the stage of Jivan Mukti, but you don't get Videya Mukti, sorry. Go back to square one, back to home, back to go, whatever it is. Start over again, you know. So that's kind of the idea, all that, all the effort. Um, you could say that there are some, you, you know, purified. Um, how pure is someone who's against bhakti? <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of mean, actually. A lot of those, those gyanis. Yeah. A uh, little story I heard when I was in Vrindavan. Gargamuni was here, original Gargamuni. He was talking about the early days in the temple. They didn't have enough money for a phone, so they went to the payphone, and uh, they didn't have enough quarters for the payphone, so they went out and bought washers and carefully taped mm-hmm. out the hole on the washer and used that. And uh, so they're just slugs. And when the yeah. guy went to collect the money from the phone, he just found all of his slugs. So after a while, they took that phone out. And so then they had to walk a couple blocks to the next phone. And uh, so I was just thinking, Gyan is kind of like that. You just got slugs. You can fool somebody and might find a phone and you know where it works. It'll work, but it's not real currency. It's not real money. Yeah, it's like a jailbreak. It seems like you're out, but they're looking for you everywhere. And you've got to keep looking over your shoulders, so how free are you? Hmm? And in due course, the long arm of the law will catch you. Hmm? Being in jail is one thing, and then there's the breakout. The idea is to get reformed and come out and participate in the world in a meaningful way. Would be bhakti in that analogy. Yeah, so another one here. Nice story. For those kind of, for us who come from that generation, <laughs> it might sound like that be so funny or attractive to other people. Yeah. They were able to make the calls, right? Yeah. It was the phone guy that got nothing. Okay. All right, so we'll stop there. Shishi, Gauradamadabha ki jai, Gaurabhaktavinda ki jai. Bhavad Pramadam.